This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN. Oh, we're off and running on this Saturday afternoon. How you doing? Yeah, plenty to do on this Saturday, May 8th. Doesn't really feel like May, but it actually is. Next couple of hours to tackle it, of course, this is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM ESPN New York. You can find me on Twitter, at Gordon Damer. You can find me on Instagram, at Gordon Damer. And uh, more importantly, you can find me right here up until uh, 2.30, little Rangers pregame. Nice uneventful week for them, right? Real quiet, finishing out the season, season finale today. And then, of course, uh, the offseason and uh, I guess the real fun begins there. But lots to do on this rainy Saturday, May 8th, as I said. Uh, and it doesn't really, and I'll tell you right now, it, it, this is probably going to be a, a bit of a rough show. I, I will preface that <laughs> right off the top uh, because last night you sit and you watch uh, the Yankees last night just implode late. Then you sit and you watch uh, the Knicks last night and they implode late. And then I woke up this morning you know, go to bed, get a nice night's sleep, put those two games behind you, and you're hoping uh, that uh, things will be brighter and better in a new day on a Saturday. And I woke up to Twitter today uh, to see the uh, sad news that Tawny Katane, 1980s icon, has uh, passed away and at the age of 59, so uh, very, very young. So I saw that news today, and, uh, you know, I talked to the guys who are uh, running the uh, show today, both Jake and Mike, and I said... Um, Hey, guys, you see the news about Tawny Katane. And just to show you how old, I guess, apparently I am, Jake's response was, who's Tony Katane? He thought he was somebody from The Sopranos. So uh, that tells you what I'm working with. So I don't know, maybe we can work in a White Snake song or two. I said to Mike, hey, Mike, uh, do you know White Snake? Uh, he said, no, uh, I don't, but I can find one. So we'll see if, uh, J- if, if Jake and Mike uh, can uh, find maybe a White Snake song before the, uh, the end of the show today. But let's start with the sports, and let's start with the Yankees, because just when you thought it was safe to turn on the Yes Network again and maybe see a Yankee offense actually put up some runs and score a little bit and maybe win a couple of games after the five-game winning streak, boy, it seemed like we were all ready to say, well, look, they've won some games here. They won. They swept the series against the Tigers. They won a couple of games against the Astros. Things are finally pointed in the right direction. Well, last night you get the bullpen meltdown, and they're back at 500. And look, uh, I want to hear from you. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. I have been one to uh, preach patience in the past. I've pointed out many a time that under Aaron Boone, Yankees have gotten off to bad starts before. There will be points in a season where you say to yourself, you know what? Lots of areas for the Yankees to clean up. And then just when it seems like the anger, the fury starts to reach a fever pitch, that's when the Yankees start to clean it up. 2018, they started at 500, 8 and 8, but on April 21st, they moved over 500 and they stayed over 500. 2019, they started a little worse, 8 and 10, but again, by, you know, kind of mid to late April, moved over 500, stayed over 500. Both of those years, they had cleaned it up by now. Now look, it doesn't feel like May outside. But it is May outside. It's May. And it's time for the Yankees to finally figure out what, he- what direction they're headed in because it doesn't really look like they're kind of heading in any direction right now. And last night it was the bullpen. Last night it was the defense. But that's kind of burying the lead. The problem with the Yankees continues to be the offense. Now, that's not to say that it won't be about the starting pitching at some point. But right now, that's not been really the issue. And the bullpen the last couple of games has been bad, but that's not really been the issue. The issue has been the offense. And almost like, uh, you know, in the NFL, the great quarterback, that guy's supposed to smooth over all the other rough edges. On most day, the Yankees lineup is expected, at least coming into the year, to kind of smooth over the rough edges. You know, the starting pitching with two guys coming off injury in Tyone and, um, and Kluber, You weren't really expecting them to be pitching six and seven innings each time out, but you were hoping that the offense would kind of smooth that over. Maybe the defense would be a little rough with Luke Voigt not at first base, but you were hoping that the offense would be able to smooth that over. 
But that has not been the case because the Yankees' offense, while it's been better, it's been terrible. And there are just too many guys in the order who have been terrible. Frazier has been terrible. Hicks has been better lately, but he's been terrible. I know he's had a couple of big hits here or there, but Rugnado Odor is an out machine. And the one that really stands out more than any other is Glaber Torres. Glaber Torres is supposed to be part of the Yankee engine that really kind of drives things. You know, Hicks, when he's going well, that's great. And yeah, sometimes he's batting third where he doesn't really belong there. But he's not a guy that you're, you're expecting to carry the offense at times. Aaron Judge is a guy you expect to carry the offense at times. Giancarlo Stanton is a guy you expect to, to carry the offense at times, and he has so far. Thank God for him. Where would they be without him? But Glaber Torres is the one where if you are making a list of the greatest concerns right now with the Yankee offense, he is the guy to me that stands out the most. He has yet to hit a home run this season. It is May 8th. He has not hit a home run. His slugging percentage is 279. You know, last year we spent a lot of time focused on, boy, what's wrong with Glaber Torres? What's wrong with Glaber Torres? You know, after the season, it came out, you know, when they had the shutdown, he came back, he wasn't in very good shape and, and really struggled, was, you know, was, was playing a, a new position, the, the weirdness of the year, that all chalked up to being a very bad season. You know what? He was better last year than he has been so far this year. He has five extra base hits on the season. It's May 8th. This is the 24-year-old you were hoping was going to take the next step forward to becoming a superstar. If you take out the Orioles series, he's got two extra base hits the entire year. So as bad as he was last year, he's actually been worse. And you, you, I would love to have an explanation. You know, the defense, okay, maybe he's not a great nat. He's, he's not going to be Brooks Robinson. He's not going to be Mark, uh, uh, he's not gonna be Mark Belanger at shortstop. He's not going to be uh, Ozzie Smith. I get that. But you were hoping, again, that the offense would smooth over the rough edges. This is a guy who went from slugging around 500 to a guy who's under 300. When you're looking at all the things wrong with the you know, Yankee, everybody will tell you, oh, well, this is wrong, and they don't bunt, and they don't have a team that can play small ball. Give me a reason why Glaber Torres has gone from one of the young budding stars in the sport to a guy who is performing like a minor leaguer. Because that one does not make sense to me. I, and I get you're not going to get an answer from the uh, manager. He'll tell you, you know, like the at-bats and, the, you know, we know the talent is there and the bat-to-ball skill. And he'll use a whole bunch of words, but he won't give you an answer for why Glaber Torres has looked lost. Now, he's been slightly better, but I, I don't know. Part of me thinks that that's just me kind of hoping that things are going to eventually turn around. Because until the offense is better, I hate to say it, but I think this is kind of who the Yankees are. They're not a very good team. The Yankees' third-place hitters this year, and it's not just Glaber, but that one to me is the most glaring example. The Yankees' third-place hitters this year are hitting 154, whoever hits third. And it's not like the rest of the spots in the lineup are doing a whole lot better. Their cleanup hitters this year are slugging 330. That, I mean, the offense is just bad, and until it gets fixed, this, I think, is what it's going to kind of look like. And what's really bad is that there, there are really no replacements on the way. Now, look, uh, Luke Voigt's on the way, right? You're, you're hoping he's going to be back before too long. Um, and I'm sure that there are some internal options that if things don't, they'll, they'll keep kind of trotting things out there and, and seeing how it works. But because they are steadfast with the number one goal about staying under the luxury tax threshold, I don't think that there's going to be any trades, and I don't even know what trades you would make to be able to fix an offense that's got four or five guys who have been essentially automatic outs. And it just kind of shows you how desperate they are that first base has been such a, you know, such a desperate spot that they're trotting Miguel Andujar out there to play first base, even though he's never played first base before. And he's got a shot here, at least, maybe his last shot, to be a part of the Yankee team. And it's, it's stunning that a guy that came up in 2018 
and could have very well been the rookie of the year with 47 doubles and an OPS plus of, of 130. Um, because of injury and just happenstance, he has never really gotten much of a run. And, and it's clear here that if he can show you over the next few days here, next week or so, that he can hit, which the Yankees are so desperate to have someone in the lineup start to hit, that it shows you just how desperate they are that they're not only putting him in the lineup, but they're playing him at first base. And at this point, if he hits, they'll put him somewhere. (laughs) I mean, they have more than enough empty spots available in the lineup to to get guys uh, a spot. What? You, You never played first base before? Doesn't matter. With their shell out, I wouldn't be surprised if he plays some third base. The Yankees are so desperate to find anybody who can hit because this offense has been, with the exception of Giancarlo Stanton, has been bad. With the exception of DJ LeMahieu here or there, it's been bad. Aaron Judge lately, I don't know what he's going through because it seems like any, t- any time that they have an opportunity to give him rest, they're giving him rest. And with how he's swinging at the plate right now, I have to wonder if there's some underlying... Um, not medical condition, but health con- condition that he's, he's going, injury condition that he's going through right now because he doesn't look right either. So that's the story with the Yankees. Until the offense gets going, um, they're not going to get going. And this just might be uh, who they are, which is, is tough to see because we're only at May. You know, the baseball season, it's a long season. You know, football season you start on week one and you're all excited for it and, and you blink your eyes and you're already at week eight. The NBA regular season, you can kind of check out because, you know, for most teams, the, the regular season is not all that important. That's why they, they keep doing things to try to get more people invested in the regular season because it's all about the postseason in that sport. The baseball season, it's there every single day. You can't really avoid it. And with the way the Yankees have been playing so far this year, very uneven, you would have thought that there would have been a stretch by now where they'd really start to put it together. But it doesn't seem like that's on the horizon. You know, the five-game winning streak and, and get, coming back from 5-10, and ten, that's one thing. But it, it doesn't really seem like they are starting to click. You know, if, they, if, they, if you had a lineup where you say, okay, this guy's starting to put it together and that guy's starting to put it together, then you might be able to say, all right, now they're going to go on a little bit of a run. It still seems like while they won some games – that was largely because Giancarlo Stanton was playing out of his mind. And the rest of the team, maybe you got a guy here or there that came up with some hits. But the, uh, the offense is still the major issue. And unfortunately, there's no way to fix that. Here I go again on my own. It's 1980s uh, Nickelback. That's uh, who uh, Whitesnake is. They're Nickelback before Nickelback. Hey, it's the Gordon Damer Show. It's 98.7 FM, ESPN New York. We take you up until 2.30 this afternoon. Been talking about the Yankees, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. I will tell you, uh, just got the tweet from the Yankees that today's game will not start on time. No start time as of yet, but uh, we'll keep you posted on that if you are one of the people going to the game today. But the Yankee game uh, is not going to start on time today as they face off against the Nationals, and we'll see if they can get things uh, pointed in the right direction. All right, before we go to the phones, there's two, more other, two other things that I just wanted to hit on with uh, the Yankees. Um, a, Yankee fans, you got to stop whining about D.D. Gregorius. He's gone. He's not coming back. It's over, right? He's not sitting out there as a free agent right now. It's been two years, and you got to move on with your life. It's almost like a breakup. And the fact that you're still focusing on the breakup after all this time, you gotta, you're like Mikey from Swingers way looking at the answering machine, and the answering machine's telling you you got to move on with your life. And it comes back to the age-old question, where was he going to play? Now, look, as it turns out, you know, I opened the show. Well, you can play shortstop because Glaber stinks. I understand that, but you're hoping that Glaber Torres is going to eventually get things figured out because if he doesn't, I mean, look, if Glaber Torres goes from what he was as a prospect and in the first two years of his career and now is going to be a terrible player, well, then that will be one of the biggest sports mysteries that we've ever seen. To go from where he was, a guy at 22 and 23, who was not just playing in the majors, 
but was playing at a very high level. To go to what he has been last year and this year, I just can't, I can't figure it out. Well, you know, he's swinging for the fence. Well, he's swinging for the fence. The swing has not changed. He was swinging like that back then, too. Now, maybe he's got to make an adjustment, but, I mean, it's not like he needs a tweak right now. He's been bad. The second thing is, look, it's great that Giancarlo Stanton has been essentially on another planet here the last couple of weeks. It's fantastic. But let's not make it out. Like, hey, this is just who Stanton has been the entire time. You know, I was listening to the K show yesterday, and Michael will say, hey, Yankee fans, you still hate him? No, of course not. <laughs> when he's hitting, when, the, when this is what you're getting from Giancarlo Stanton, and even not this, but like, you know, if he's just playing like Giancarlo Stanton is supposed to play, that would be great. But, you know, he's played 41 games over the last two years. He's been bad in the playoffs in 18 and 19. Now, it's great that he's been fantastic now. It's great that he, he performed last year in the postseason. But again, the reason why Yankee fans are so hard on Giancarlo Stanton, and I get it, booing him on opening day, I said, was stupid. Stupid to be booing your own guy on opening day when he hasn't done anything. But he was supposed to be the guy who put this team over the top. After 2017, the Yankees on the verge of going back to the World Series, the young bombers with Judge and Sanchez and Severino, he was supposed to be that last missing piece, another big hairy slugger in the middle of the lineup, and all of a sudden you're going to hit all these home runs, and it hasn't turned out that way. Like 18, he was good in the regular season, but then the last two years he's been hurt a lot. He hasn't been great in the postseason. Last year he was, but, you know, it's been very hit or miss. And, he again, he was the guy who was supposed to put you over the top, and he's not. So, yeah, he's going to get a, a lot of the blame. But it's almost like the Gary Sanchez thing to a degree. When he hits, like, a home run like last night, that's great. And there will always be people like, ah, oh, see? No, you like Gary Sanchez? Now? Yes, when he does something positive. Yes, of course we like when he does something. We don't want to boo him. We don't want to be down on him. But when he's not giving you anything to, to go on. Now, look, San, uh, Stanton hasn't been as bad as Sanchez has. Sanchez has been uh, abysmal. And it was great that he finally had an extra base hit for the first time in a month. But, I mean, what, what are fans supposed to do when guys don't perform? Just shake pom-poms and be like, ah, it's all right, we'll get them tomorrow. No, you're going to be down on the guy. All right, let's go to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go out to uh, Sam is in Rockland. Sam, what's going on, buddy? Hey, what's up, Gordon? Yeah, regarding the Yankees, you know, uh, Brian Cashman has developed players over the years, Bomeu, and Duhar, he's picked up some uh, diamond in the rust, but, you know, it just hasn't brought them over the top. You know, with Clint Frazier, for example, he's supposed to be 20 home runs, 70 RBIs. Let's see even if he even gets to that. You know, so it's just a matter of teams, other teams, you know, they found players, Dodgers over the years. They've got Justin Turner. They traded for Mookie Betts. Um, even the Cardinals have picked up Goldsmith and Arenado. Yankees just haven't gotten all, and then people say, oh, well, he's found players. Cashman's found players. Well, they haven't won the championship. You know, they need to find maybe a GM who brings them over the top rather than the players always being blamed. You know what I mean? Well, look, I mean, at the end of the day, Sam, it's about the players. I mean, uh, they, they have to perform, and the guys that you are counting on and we all kind of count on have not, uh, has not performed. You know, Judge did to a certain degree, but he's been slumping the last week or so. Stanton's been good. LeMahieu's been good. But Frazier's another guy. You know, after last year, you thought that that was really like Clint Frazier uh, establishing himself in the 60-game season. And there have been other times where he's gotten run. I don't remember if it was 18 or 19 where there was a lot of injuries and he came up and, you know, for a week or two, he showed you what he could do. And you thought that, okay, now he's established himself, age of 25 next year, this, this season, uh, he's going to come in and he's going to be the starting left fielder. And he's been terrible. I, I mean, I'm a big Clint Frazier fan and Sam, thanks for the phone call. I, I'm a big Clint Frazier guy and I want him to get the starts in left field, but it's kind of hard to be sh jumping up and down for a guy who has been really bad. Now, look, it's great that he's hit a couple of home runs. But again, slash line of 156, 293, and 312. The slugging, nowhere close to where it should be. And I know that Andujar started at first base because, I mean, that's just been a, a black hole so far between uh, Jay Bruce, who was terrible, uh, uh, Mike Ford has been terrible, and you're just kind of hoping 
that uh, that Luke Voigt gets back here sooner than later. And if Andujar does start to hit and, and Voigt does become healthy, well, I don't think that it's going to be third base that you're going to put Andujar. Clint Frazier's got to be a little concerned that, you know, he, he thought he finally got the job away from, from, um, from Gardner. I, I wouldn't be surprised if they start putting Andujar out in the outfield because if the, that is if he hits. Now, he's not hit either. You know, he, he, in 2018, again, he probably should have won the rookie of the year, 47 doubles and uh, the OPS, a, a plus 130. He was great, but between injury and just kind of happenstance, He's never been able to be that player again. So you have to hope that he starts to he at least can provide you some offense here in the in the next couple of weeks. But Clint Frazier, I'm a big fan, but unless he starts hitting on a regular basis, he, he how can you keep trotting him out there when you have issues offensively? Let's go to Jimmy in Rockland. Jimmy, what's going on, buddy? Hey Gordon, thanks for the thanks for taking the call, pal. How are you? I'm good, man. What's going on? Hey, so I got a a bunch of things on the topic. I think you're right. I'm, I'm a huge Yankee fan. I, I'm sick of complaining about Didi myself. He's gone. <laughs> but right. I think the Glaber issue is that his spot is second base. I mean, he was so comfortable there. He was hitting. He was playing. He was he was leading. He was no there was no noise around him. I think we just got to stick in that second and and figure out the shortstop situation. And then I think I loved how the Yankees came alive. With the Astros series, I think the the Nationals was kind of like a letdown, but a lot of guys got on base to set up to set up uh, Stanton, but he was he was out of his mind through that series. But uh, I just wanted to hit you with all that and see what you thought. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe that's the issue. I mean, it would seem to me strange that it would be one thing if he were continuing to kick it around at shortstop, like he's bringing his offensive struggles out into the field. Um, and, and he even had that moment where, you know, he kind of lollygagged it to first base and Boone talked to him, and it seemed like maybe he was, he was picking things up. But again, I mean, the power is just not there. And this was a guy who had good power, especially for a middle infielder. So I would think it's strange that the defensive issues are impacting his offense when the defense has actually kind of settled itself. The defense has not been as bad as it was in the in the first week of the season, but the offense has just not gotten on track, and it's just a, a glaring uh, a lack of power so far. So I, I don't know that I can come up with a, a reasonable explanation for why. I mean, it's not it's not kind of like ah, it's been a little bit off. It's dropped off a table. Again, he was a guy who was slugging around five hundred. He's slugging like three hundred. He's just got no pop, and and that is not. And it would be one thing if he were a guy who was not thought of as a top prospect. I mean, he's been a top prospect the entire time. When you got him from the Cubs, you knew that this was a guy you couldn't wait to see. And then he came up and he kind of lived up to the advanced hype. And then that second year, he had 38 home runs and all that. And then since then, has not been the same player. And you can chalk up a lot of things last year. I was willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, but he's been worse this year. I get it. It's only May 8th, but... It's getting late early for this with this offense. 1-800-919-ESPN is the um, telephone number. 1-800-919-3776. Let's go out to uh, Pat is in Lake Grove. Pat, what's going on? Hey, Gordon. Um, I just wanted to bring up a point with the Yankees. Um, with Aaron Hicks, Clint Frazier, and Brett Gardner all struggling so much, I just want to know what is the harm and what do the Yankees have against Esteban Floreal coming up and playing some games here at Yankee Stadium. He's raking in the minor league so far this season. He's done nothing but great things in the minor league. He's been a Yankees' top prospect. And so far, he has a 4-12 on-base percentage in a couple games in the minor league so far this season. Um, what's your uh, thoughts on that? He's still very young. I think he's still only like 21. And I don't believe he – I know he's playing right now at double-A, but I don't think – I mean, maybe he's played like seven or eight games at double-A, and that's about it. So I think he's still a young guy, and – he was a guy you heard about a couple of years ago as being like maybe the top prospect in their organization and all that type of stuff. And then he had, I think it was either a wrist injury or an arm injury or something like that. And you started to question whether or not he was going to have enough power to hit at the next level. Look, I mean, if he does keep doing this over the next couple of weeks, based on the fact that I don't think any big trades are, are coming unless it can match up salaries and stay under the luxury tax threshold, it would not shock me if you saw him at some point this year, but I don't know that they're going to make that 
that move yet for a young guy who, you know, has just started to get his feet wet at double A. All right. That's what we're about. I'm about bringing people together. You call with a question. I answer it. We all hold hands and sing Kumbaya. That's what I'm about, people. 1-800-919-ESPN. 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll get more on uh, the Yankees. We'll touch on the Mets. And um, they had a big win last night. A come from behind. You know, I was doing the show with Larry, filling in for Carlin last night. And they were, I don't know if it was 4 nothing or 4-1 when I said it. But I said to Larry, he's a big Mets fan. I said, don't the Mets ever come from behind? And look at that. I say it, and they come from behind. But, of course, all the focus, not on the come-from-behind win, not on the fact that Francisco Lindor finally did something. It's all about this dopey thing about the, the, what happened in the tunnel that you saw Conforto run into the tunnel last night. Was it a fight? Was it some sort of rodent? Why it doesn't matter, we'll explain coming up. Jet fans, Jet Nation, get back to live football this season at MetLife Stadium. Lock in your 2021 season tickets to see this year's draft class and your favorite Jets players all season long. You'll secure the best prices and exclusive benefits, including free food, beverage, and merchandise credit. And be sure to circle your calendar for the Jets' 2021 schedule release on May 12th. That's this coming up this week. For more information, visit nyjets.com or call one 800 469 J-E-T-S. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. We've uh, focused a lot on the uh, the Yankees here, but I did want to touch on the Mets. And um, they get the win last night. A, a kind of similar th- stories for the, the Mets. The offense has been a major issue as well, and Francisco Lindor has been a major issue because he's not hit at all. He's kind of looked lost to the plate. I don't think that that's going to, to linger too much longer. He's too good of a player and can impact the game in too many ways for him not to make an impact in some ways. And at least he's not really, although he did have that one game with the throw where the defense has been impacted by his offense, but he can steal bases. He's not a guy who is primarily power-based. He'll hit some home runs, but it's not like he's going to strike out at an alarming rate or has so far. So I think he'll get things turned around. But of course, the main focus has not been on that game last night or the win last night or Lindor last night. It's been on this dopey story about the raccoon or the rat. It was uh, something happened in the middle of the game, and all of a sudden you see guys rushing into the tunnel. What happened? I don't know, but I don't believe that it was a raccoon, a rat, a possum, a squirrel, a chipmunk. I don't think it was anything. But you know what's the most important thing? I don't care. And you know who else doesn't care? Anyone. No one cares. It's just one of those things that people cling to, and they got to have an opinion on. It doesn't matter. And, of course, the media is going to overblow it to a, a – and, and here's another thing, because I've seen a lot of people say that. I've seen people in the media say that. I've seen fans say this too. Well, you know what? Whatever happened, just come out and own it. Just tell the truth, and then we can all move on. Oh, yeah, yeah. If they could, if Lindor – I think most people kind of think that there was some sort of incident between Lindor and McNeil. Uh, it just seems like that's what you know. That's why a guy on the team would rush into the tunnel like that, not because that there was some sort of, of rodent. But if they just came out and said, "Yeah, you know, we got into a fight in the tunnel," you're telling me you think that everybody would be like, oh, "Oh, that's what happened." Okay, now we have answers. We'll all move up. No, they'd be digging into it for weeks, and anytime the team po- played poorly. They'd be going back to it as well. Oh, you know what? This team has always had issues. Remember that fight in the tunnel. So this idea that you just come out and own it and tell the truth and move on, there'll be more questions? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is this your first day on planet Earth? Because that, I know for sure. I don't know what was in the tunnel. I know for a fact if Lindor or McNeil came out and said, yeah, we got into an argument, we got into a scuffle, we got into a disagreement, I'm telling you right now, the questions would absolutely not just stop right there. Oh, is that what happened? Oh, okay, now we have that clear. Let's move on to the game. In the sixth inning, yeah, that's not the way it works. All right, let's go back to the phones. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Let's go to Eric is on Long Island. Eric, what's going on, buddy? What's up, Gordon? How you doing? I'm good, man. What's up? Good. So, um, yeah, this is way too early. I'm still a believer that the Yankees can um can and probably will straighten this all out. But if they do continue to struggle, I think I have a good trade. Um, 
What happened there? I don't, I, did we lose him? I guess we lost him. Well, he had a trade uh, proposal. Well, look, I would just say I, it's pretty clear at this point that the number one, I've said this a thousand times now, that the number one goal, the Yankees are staying under the luxury tax threshold. So if you're making any trades, just make sure that whoever you're bringing back, almost like an NBA deal, that the salaries match up because there's no way the Yankees you know, win, lose, do whatever, whatever you have to do, but they are not going over that luxury tax threshold. So any idea that you have, well, you know what? Trevor Story's available. You could bring him in. Okay, or I don't know what his salary is. I can look it up in the break. But whatever that salary is, you better offset, offset it with whatever you're sending out or, or whatever guy you're thinking about bringing in here. And that's really the thing. I, like if you're telling – now, look, if they had a significant injury, right, then you would say somebody's out for the season. Okay, that opens up a spot. But with this offense, there's not really a spot to have. I guess maybe left field if Frazier continues to not hit um, and, and, and nobody else hits, right? And Duhar doesn't hit. But I don't think that they're making a big trade for a left fielder, that's for sure. First base, Ford has been terrible. You're throwing Anduhar out there every once in a while, I guess. But Voight's going to be back here before too long, so that's not a spot. Uh, Urshela might miss a few days. I don't know. Maybe he'll end up on the DL. But again, you like Urshela. He gives you defense. He gives you offense. So that's not an issue. Where Where is the spot coming? Are you going to trade for some catcher? I, I don't think that that's going to happen. Center field, I guess Hicks is still going to be here for a very long time. You know, there's not really a spot where you say, okay, they really need an upgrade here. I think that they're just going to pretty much rely on the guys. Now, maybe internally they'll make some moves. But I don't think that there's. I don't think that the big trade is coming to save you this year, Gordon. Uh, I know his uh, phone line got cut off, but I yeah. do remember the trade proposal. If you okay, want to hear, it to so it was Clint Frazier and Glaber Torres for Trevor Story and Charlie Blackman. So it was kind of a straight up shortstop for shortstop and outfielder for outfielder. Okay, well, uh, I don't think that that would work because Trevor Story is going to be a free agent after the year, and I'm sure that he's making uh, a pretty penny. And Frazier and Glaber are making absolutely nothing. And in the analytic world, you are not uh, – maybe more, more so clearly Glaber than Clint. Maybe at this point, you know, the Yankees might be convinced that Frazier's just never going to do it on a consistent basis. But I don't think that they're going to cash in the chips on Glaber Torres. And uh, I don't know what Blackman and, and, and Story are making, but I can tell you it's significantly more than Glaber and Clint. So unless you can find somebody to offset the salaries of those two uh, guys that you're bringing in, uh, I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, all right, let's go to uh, Joe is in Lindbrook. Joe, what's going on, pal? Hey, Gordon, how's it going? So uh, regarding the uh, whole title situation last night and these reporters being up in arms about, you know, the dishonesty in the Mets, I mean, they've been this team has been trolling the media for like the past two weeks. They've been having fun. I mean, there's Donnie Stevenson, the batting approach guy. I don't know why, you know, everyone's so taken aback by it. And, you know, like they said, I mean, clubhouse stuff should be in the clubhouse. All right, this might have been in the tunnel, but... You know, even if they scuffled, obviously it fired them up. He got a home run, and, you know, every once in a while you need a little scuffle, a little tension if something blew over, and hopefully that gets them over it and they move forward. And like you said, I mean, I don't think it's a big deal, and they're going to harp on and need it for as long as they can because they want their answers. But, again, Donnie Stevenson, that's all I have to say. I mean, this team's having fun kind of trolling the media, and if it's bringing them some camaraderie, I'm all for it. So go Mets. Yeah, I, I, look, Joe, I don't think anybody cares. Uh, I, I, like, the fact that, you know, Lindor is probably making up a story. Um, you know, I hear people, oh, he embarrassed himself. Uh, whatever. I mean, he, he didn't embarrass himself by hitting the home run, and that's all that matters. That's all that anybody cares about. So you can say that he embarrassed himself. I, I'm telling you right now, how, let me ask you this. How do you think the story lingers longer? By making up some silly story that's probably over in a day, especially if the Mets win? Like, do you think anybody's going to go back to the raccoon and rat thing after today's game? Probably not. But if he had said whatever actually happened, we got into a fight, we got into a disagreement, we were arguing, whatever. Do you think somebody would go back to it after this game? I think they probably would. So I think that he actually kind of short-circuited whatever the, uh, the, uh, the long-term ramifications uh would have been let's go out to Artie is in brooklyn Artie, what's going on buddy hey hey gordon how you doing bud i'm good man what's i'm up? sorry to switch topics on you no, but okay. um, you know i call you a lot about the the jets and yeah 
I actually try to defend gays and all this stuff. And now we <laughs> got go? this. Yeah, it's crazy <laughs> that sound. But now we got like a new era and stuff like that. I'm excited. Yeah. But I, what do I expect? Or what should I, as a Jet fan, expect for this game? Like, for me, I would have loved, like, the, you know the way the Giants went in as far as, like, a young team that didn't know about Judge and stuff like that, and they just wanted to compete? If I could get a Giant season, even if we don't make the playoffs, and just look and see, it, like, what the future could look like, and just basically Wilson show me. Am I asking too much for Wilson to show me what um, what the, uh, the, the Cincinnati quarterback um, – Burrow? And then um, Herbert on on the, on the charges. Is well, that asking too much? Yeah, I think Herbert is. I mean, Herbert had like a legendary kind of rookie season. Legendary? No, I, think, I mean, in terms of a rookie season, yeah, that was pretty good. Yeah. Um, uh, that was yeah. pretty good. That was a, that was a really uh, excellent rookie season for him, even though the team, you know, maybe didn't have the goals. But he came in right away, and he showed you in one year he's the franchise quarterback. That's – I mean, I'm not right, saying that it hasn't happened before, guy, but that's pretty rare. Four games. Like, that's what I want. I, yeah. I don't know as a Dolphin fan if you feel the same thing about Tua. No. I, I would like, <laughs> right? No. You know what no, I'm saying? I like, I, that's what I want to know. I want to know if Wilson is the guy. And I don't know how you feel about Wilson because I'm babbling a lot. Um, but you I'm, know, I'm look, I got to be it. honest, Artie. I, yeah. I, I think that you know, I'm kind of relying on the experts who said that this guy has unbelievable arm talent. The, the questions I have is coming obviously from BYU and also his size. He looks, I know they list him at 6'3", but he does look a little slight. Um, Sam right. that, Sam is also 6'3", but Sam looks Sam, uh, 6'3". So, you, know, you know who I'm hoping is the best um, analysis for quarterbacks? Chris Sims. Yeah, Chris Sims has nailed it. <laughs> because Absolutely. he basically said that we drafted Aaron Mahomes. Yeah. <laughs> All right, buddy. Take yeah. one, man. Right. Thanks for taking a call. Yeah, all right, Artie. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, I think what you're hoping for this Jets season is just establishing a credible organization. Like last year, the Jets, it seemed like every single week they would do – the line that I came up with on the Jets last year was the 2020 Jets. You got to see it to believe it because if you didn't see it, you wouldn't believe it. They were such an embarrassment from week one, that game against Buffalo, where it seemed like that they didn't, it was like a practice. It, they thought that that was the exhibition. They didn't show up at all. And then each and every week between the coach and the quarterback and the defense, I mean, it was just an absolute embarrassment from top to bottom. So I think you're hoping that Salah shows you that he's obviously a better head coach than what you had before. I think going into a rookie year, you're, you're just looking for some, some real um, moments from Wilson where he shows you, okay, this kid, he, he's got it together. Now, look, there's going to be some rough spots. This, this, is not a, this is not a quick fix with the Jets. The Jets are like turning the ocean liner around at this point, and it's going to take a little while before you have it pointed in the right direction. This is not a speedboat. This is, this is uh, you know. This is uh, one of the giant cruise lines that you're trying to get get turned around. So uh, I think a fair estimate is about five, six wins, right? With the, with the extra game this year coming from where you were, there's still a lot of holes on both sides. But I think if you're, if you're sitting there with five, six wins, the quarterback gets through the season healthy and shows you some moments here and some games that he kind of – you can see that, okay. I mean, you just know it when you see it. And, yeah, there were some moments with Sam in that first year – but there weren't enough of them. And I think that when you're taking a quarterback second in the draft, you, you don't want to see him come in and get through the year and not really know what you have. And you'll know it. With 17 games, you'll know it when you see it uh, that, uh, he, that he's got things worked out because the offensive line has already improved. The skill position players, I think, are improved. And you have to see that the quarterback is improved because that was an issue. <laughs> I would have thought that Andujar would have gotten. Does he need a rest after the one game that he needs to have a rest? Well, I mean, what's the point of calling him up if you're not going to play? Like, give him a run for like a week and a half. You got enough open spots. Well, Max Scherzer's pitching. We don't want to put that on him. What, you think Mike Ford's going to look all that much better? Mike Ford is like three hits. Not in a week. Three hits. That's it. The whole season.
that's rough. That is rough. That is a rough lineup. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if Max Scherzer sees that and starts building the uh, the uh, the dome over uh, Yankee Stadium just to be able to get this game in. Uh, all right, so it is the Gordon Damer Show. It is 98.7 FM, uh, ESPN New York, 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number, 1-800-919-3776. If you want to get in on the Knicks, um, if we want to get in on, on the Yankees. I did want to make one... Uh, point I probably should have brought it up earlier with the uh, the Angels releasing Albert Pujols the other day and all the talk about his contract and, and the, his time with the Angels boy it is hard for a team to get any worse of return on what they purchase you talk about bait and switch pool and, and and this was not hindsight at the time people knew it doesn't say no one anywhere should be saying, well, you know, I saw this. Come. Yes, we all saw it coming. When you when you sign a guy who's going into his age 32 season to a 10 year contract, you knew there are going to be dead years in that contract. Now, we didn't think it was going to happen that quickly. But it's hard for a team to get a worse return on an investment than what the uh, the Angels got, because Pujols in his time with the Cardinals 10 times. He, top, he was in the top five of the MVP voting. He won three of them. Ten times. He never got a first-place vote while he was with the Angels. In his time with the Cardinals, his OPS was over 1,008 times, and it was like high 900s two other times, including one year where it was 997, so almost 1,000. His first year with the Angels, it was 859, and it never topped 18, or excuse me, never stopped uh, 18, uh, 800 again. And you look at his baseball reference page, like he, a lot of black ink in his time with the Cardinals. The only thing he led baseball in with Anaheim was grounding into double plays. Wow. And everyone knew that that was a bad contract. So don't believe anybody who's, well, you know, I saw it. Yeah, we all saw it at the time. That would be like saying, you know what? I think that the the Joakim Noah contract, I think that one's going to turn out to be a bad one with the Knicks. Yes, we knew it at the time. And it's hard not to have, uh, see a connection between him and Stanton. It really is. Now, Pools' decline started when he was 32, 33. Stanton's 31. And has been injured far more often, so much so. Think about, what the DH spot should be, especially for an older team like the Yankees who want to keep their players rested, that DH spot should be a spot where you kind of give guys a half a day off, but you can't do that with the Yankees because they don't dare play Stanton in the outfield, and it's probably the right call because you have to play him. I mean, he's the guy that's carrying the offense right now. If you ever lost him to injury, oh my goodness, how bad it would be. So you don't dare play him in the outfield. And they're so desperate to keep everyone rested. That would be a great spot to be able to give Judge a half a day or give LeMahieu a half a day or, I don't know, there's no, <laughs> give Glaber a half a day. You can't do that because you have to have Stanton in that spot and you can't afford to lose him, especially after the last two years. So you see the Pujols deal, and I'm sure there's going to be other ones, but it's, it, the thing with Pujols was he kind of had those old man skills already. So it was only going to be more uh, pointed out over time as he got older, and it certainly was. And it's not hard to see Stanton, who's signed through uh, 2027, that it won't be. These are supposed to be the glory days. The, by this point, when you make the Stanton deal four years in to where that deal was made, you thought by now he would have put the team over the top. And uh, that clearly Clearly has not happened. 1-800-919-ESPN is the uh, telephone number. Let's go back to the phones. Richard is in Manhattan. Richard, what's going on, pal? Hi, Gordon. You're going to help me make a point, a very okay. salient point. NBA. Me? All right. I don't know. I'll right. give it my NBA MVPs. Right. No particular order. Throw out some names. Curry, Jokic, Greek Freak, You're Randall. talking about this year? Yeah. Give okay. me some names. Well, I, I think Jokic is the Jokic is the No, 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 it doesn't matter. Just give okay. out names. Uh, well, Jokic, Rick. yeah, Curry, uh Giannis Curry. obviously, Randall I Good. think is going to get some votes this Good. year. Um how Embiid, many more do I Joel Embiid. Embiid, yep, Joel absolutely. Embiid. Yep. Okay, yep. maybe Devin Booker. Maybe eh, Chris maybe. Paul maybe. Okay. Paul, Chris Paul I think uh, might be one of the guys. You've made my point. You've just made my point. If Utah 
finishes with the best record in the NBA, mm-hmm. I will bet, I don't know, I don't know for sure, maybe one of you guys in the uh, uh, computer room can look it up, that it has never happened if Utah finishes with the best record in the NBA, mm-hmm. it has never happened where that team with the best record in the NBA did not have one player in the top five voting for MVP in the NBA. I don't know if it's true or not. I would make that wager. You know how people don't want to bet and gamble in this? Right. I would gamble on that. Yeah, I, I would mean, bet it never happened. Yeah, it doesn't seem like uh, either Donovan. I think Rudy Gobert has, well, uh, Donovan has Mitchell better is hurt. odds. Wait, wait, wait. Um, Gordon, but I don't Don, think they're top five. Gordon, Donovan Mitchell is hurt. He's been hurt the last 15 games. I know. So he, but, I mean, there's been a lot of, I so mean, he's missed Gobert, a lot of time, too. Or Donovich? I mean, <laughs> What's that? Well, who else? <laughs> so, and you didn't say Gobert in your, uh, you, well, you no, wouldn't just, even I, think he's thinking, Right, I didn't know that you were going to Utah. So, I mean, Gobert, I, I just know I've looked at the odds before, um, and I know Gobert, I would say he's probably top 10, but he's not top five. Um, okay. I'm saying that there's never yeah, he's been not a team with the best. Best record without the top one top five, uh, uh, one top five ball player as a voted NBA. Wouldn't that be unbelievable? Yeah, uh, they're telling me in my ear that the Atlanta Hawks. What year, Jake? Come on and tell me what year. Uh, it was the year in 2014, 2015 when the Atlanta Hawks won 60 games. Uh-huh. Uh huh. They did not have any top players in the M- MVP. But they didn't have the best record in the NBA that year. Um, I'm not sure if they had the best record in the NBA, but they definitely had the best record the best in the record. East. Yeah, yeah, but they, that's not the best record. I'm sure it was, uh, it was seven years ago. It must have been San Antonio or the Lakers or someone like that, maybe Miami. 60 games, it would never give you the best record. You have to win 65 usually. But, I mean, that is a lot of games to win. So you are correct. That was the year that the Warriors ended up going 67-15, and 15, but the, yeah. the Hawks did have yep. the second best record and the best record in the East. Okay. Well, oh, look, okay. I, so I'd have to go back and look, Richard. Yeah, I'd okay, have to go Gordon. back and look. I'd have to go back and okay, look. I, I don't know Gordon, what to I got one more for you. All right, give it to me. If the Yankees and Dodgers right yeah. now, mm-hmm. 20% of the season is done, right? 32 games approximately, right. both sure. teams. Yankees 16 and 16, Dodgers are 17 and 16. So it's 20%. One-fifth of the year is gone. What a testament to baseball that the team, the Dodgers have the bet before five weeks ago, the Dodgers have the best pitching ever assembled on a staff. The Yankees with their one-third of a billion-dollar ball player on their staff, right? Right now, if you said the Major League playoffs, baseball playoffs were to start today, neither team would be in the playoffs. Isn't that a statement of parity, how great with baseball, all its faults, but they are the most uh, oh, egalitarian no te- yes. league out of all four leagues. That Absolutely. no matter how good you are on paper, how much you spend, and you can spend as much as you want. Of course, you have to pay a little bit of a penalty, but there's no restrictions. It doesn't matter. You still have to get the job done on the field. And I yeah. think that's great. I mean, we don't know if it's going to finish this way, but as no. of this point, that's, yeah. I think it's a great testament to Well, baseball. look, there's no question about when you're talking. Richard, thanks for the phone call. Yeah, just kind of the way it's drawn up, right? Because the pitching is, you know, in the NBA, it's about a league where stars win. In the NFL, it's about having that quarterback. I mean, you have to have other parts of it as well, but you have to kind of have a quarterback that's playing at a very high level. Uh, with baseball, no. I mean, it's proven year in and year out that uh, it's as wide open as it can be. And you don't – it's not tied directly to – winning uh, money now look the Dodgers spend a lot of money and they did win last year and I would think that before too long the Dodgers are going to kind of kind of wake up and, and they would be the odds on favorite but the, you know we see teams all the time that kind of have these amazing runs and these amazing seasons and in terms of parity there's no question now unfortunately for baseball I think there's a little bit too much parity because it doesn't really feel like there's anybody good this year like if you were to say you know 20 percent of the season's gone who's good I, I don't know. Like, are, are the Red Sox good this year? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they're, they're, they're playing well right now. They're in first place. I think the Rays are good, but they're two games over 500. So I, I think that there is something for parity, but I'd like, um, I would like that upper echelon as well. And I don't think that baseball has that, at least not so far this year. I think the Dodgers are part of that, but I don't know who else would be part of it. it could, it's, it's kind of wide open. That's a good thing, but I also think it's a bad thing, especially when the Yankees are not part. If you could put the Yankees and Dodgers in there, I'd feel a lot better about it, but uh, not so far.
Still no uh, movement on the tarp at the stadium, much like the Yankee offense. Just sitting there, waiting for something to happen. Nothing so far, so uh, we'll see if they get that game in uh, as we take you up until 2.30. Rangers pregame then. All right, so Richard Manhattan brought up the point about uh, it would be very strange to have a team finish with the best overall record but not have a guy finish top uh, five in the MVP voting, and it would be. Uh, but we went back, we checked, we looked, we worked it out, because that's what I'm about. I'm about bringing people together. 2001-2002 Sacramento Kings finished with the best record. Chris Webber finished seventh in the voting that year. Duncan won the award. It was Duncan, Kidd, Shaq, McGrady, Kobe, Gary Payton. And, not Alfred Payton, Gary Payton. And then Webber finished seventh. Uh, more recently... 2005, 2006, the Pistons finished with the best record. That year, Billups did finish top five, but just barely. Uh, so he was fifth that year. That was the second of Nash's MVPs. I think it was the second one. Uh, Nash won the MVP. I'm just not sure if it was one or two. Uh, followed by LeBron, Nowitzki, Kobe, and then Chauncey Billups. So there you go. So it has happened. Uh, well, look, uh, 20 years ago or so. So it's been it's been a little uh, it's been a little bit of a run. All right, one eight hundred nine one nine ESPN is the uh, telephone number. Let's do a little football stuff. And doesn't it feel like? Remember, leading up to the draft, there was that week. And and look, the draft is too long. Although I love it, I, I can't get enough of the NFL draft. I almost wish they would kind of expand it even further. I think they should do one round a day and then just make it draft week. Wouldn't that be amazing? You get round one, one night. Now, it probably costs too much. That's why they wouldn't do it. But, I mean, talk. I would be there. I would be there for all seven days of the NFL draft if they did draft week. And I wonder if there would – could you imagine how much interest there would be if it ever gets to the point where they institute a lottery in the NFL draft? Oh, my – they could put that on pay-per-view, and I would be watching that. That would be sensational. So I love the draft. But doesn't it feel like that there was that one week with Zach Wilson where they were bringing up questions about his leadership because he was not a team captain? Remember that? There was that story out there. And now that they're having their little mini camp, doesn't it feel like people are going out of their way to say, wow, what a leader this guy is. This guy is a field general. You got that from a phone call? Like, I don't remember. I don't know if it was Elijah Moore that said it or somebody said that you can tell this guy's just a born leader from a phone call. Wow, that is that is amazing leadership. You talk about the <laughs> the uh, the a lot of stuff is just you know just noise. Let let the season go on. Let's get to to training camp and all those things, and let's just let Zach Wilson go out there and let's not blow it up too much. Let's see what he can do. Let's all because all this stuff is meaningless. All these stories that are filed and things that people uh, and look, I get it. It's the NFL. We all want to be, uh, you know, diving into all these different angles and all these different stories. But it does feel like uh, a lot of it is just a lot of gobbledygook. All right. So I did have some football thoughts. And now that the draft is kind of passed and you've had some time to look at it and think about it. Maybe you haven't, but I have. Um, the Giants pick uh, of Kadarius Toney. That one, the more time that passes, it, it, it seems kind of strange. Now, don't get me wrong. The trade, I absolutely love. Getting the Bears' number one pick. And it's funny, for all the people who are talking about Justin um, Fields and how great, oh, what a great move by the Bears. They got their guy. Well, look at the situation that he's going to. He's going to, his, like, if you ask most people, the reason why it makes sense for the Bears to make that trade is not just about Fields, but the, the guys running the show in Chicago are on, like, their last leg. Like, they have to win right now. They have to show that Fields was the right pick. Otherwise, when that pick is made next year by the Giants in the first round, it's not going to be uh, Pace and Nagy who are still running the show in Chicago. It's going to be somebody else. So you're looking at a situation where he goes to the Bears, and I don't know if there's odds on this anywhere, but what do you think the chances are next year at the draft that the Bears have not had a coaching change? They're going, they're going into a season with a rookie quarterback. They're going in with a, a, a front office and a coach that are desperate to win right now. And it just seems like a lot of times when you're desperate to win right now, uh, those things don't go well. 
especially with a rookie quarterback throwing him into the mix. So now you're already talking about going into year two with a different coach who he didn't pick the quarterback. I just think that that's a really bad situation there. So I love the trade for the Giants, and I think most people think that that Bears pick is going to be a top 10 pick. So you can't have both things. You can't say, well, the fields, oh, what a great move by the Bears going to get him, and then saying that the, the first year they're going to be terrible. But the, the, the pick about Kadarius Toney, I mean, it seems like clearly the Giants were determined to take a wide receiver, right? All the talk about, and it's, it does seem pretty clear, even though leading up to the draft, I didn't believe it, it the trend continues. All the talk was they wanted Devontae Smith. Devontae Smith got poached from them. So they moved down and they took another wide receiver, which drafting for need, drafting for a specific position of need is strange, but wide receiver is not a need for the Giants. So that that pick, and it's not really about the player because I like the player, uh, and I do think that in the right situation, he would add a lot to the Giant offense. I just don't know that it, it it's going to be a pick that pans out in the short term because for that to be a good pick, you'd have to say that Jason Garrett is going to get the most out of him. And I'm not real confident that that's going to be the case anyway, and especially not when you have all these other mouths to feed, right? Like, they have a lot, they have a really good offense, or at least have a lot of talent on offense, and you got to get the ball to Galladay, and you got to get the, the ball to, to Saquon, and, and the other receivers are going to want to, you know, be in, involved as well. And now you have this, I mean, there's no other way to put it. He's most, especially as a rookie, I would think he's going to be much more of like a gadget player with Jason Garrett, who is not uh, the most creative offensive mind. So I don't know. I don't know if that's going to be um, – the more the time passes, I have a little bit – and it's not really about the player as much as it is the situation. So I thought that that was a little strange. Second football thought, I was, I was perusing the old uh, FanDuel app the other day. And I do think that the Giants have – I think the last, chance, last check, they were like plus 430 or plus 450 to win the NFC East. And I think, you know, based on where they're at and, and based on how wide open the division is – I don't think I think that's a pretty good price, uh, and uh, I, I would not be surprised if the Giants did win the NFC East, especially since they're the third pick in the division. I like that, I like that value. So I'm looking at the other divisions, and I'm looking at the AFC South, the Jacksonville Jaguars, the team that just got done having the worst season in football, one win, starting now, who we all think is going to be a great quarterback, but more than likely is going to struggle, and they're a bad team. They're not a good team. The Jaguars are plus 700 to win the AFC South. Now, they're not going to win the AFC South, but they're plus 700. Long odds, right? Clearly. The Houston Texans are plus 2,700. I couldn't believe my eyes. So the Jaguars, who are the worst team this past season, they might be better. You hope so. They almost have to win more than one game. You bet $100, you'd win 700 if they won the AFC South. The Texans are plus 2,700. The Texans, and I know we say this every year, there's always seems like there's one team in the NFL that's going to have the worst season altogether. It was the Dolphins a couple of years ago. They ended up winning five games, and the Bengals got the first pick. There was a year where the Jets, we thought, oh, they're tanking. They're not going to win a game. They won five games. So I get it. It does feel like every single year there's a team that we think is going to be the worst. I think this is the year we nail it. I think it's very clear. The Texans won four games last year. They've already lost J.J. Watt. They're almost certainly going to lose their quarterback to suspension. If not, he has decided he will not play there anymore. They didn't have a first or second round pick in the draft. When they did finally have a pick in the third round, they used it on a a developmental quarterback. (laughs) They have a rookie head coach. And their front office, according to reports, is behind the scenes is essentially Game of Thrones, right? I mean, like, if you talk about just an outright disaster uh, of a situation, if, and, and oh, yeah, that's the other thing. They're over under, I think, is four. They added a game. We're going to have an extra game this year. And essentially, they're saying that the Texans, who were one of the worst teams, the third worst team in football this past year, they're going to get worse. And you know what? They might be right. They very, it, it, I get it. it. It does seem like a lot that, the, the, you know, a lot changes when uh, the, the games actually start getting played. 
But boy, oh boy, the Houston Texans seem like if they do win even four games, that will be an absolute miracle. 1-800-919-ESPN, 1-800-919-3776. Coming up, we'll get more into the football. with the. I, I, you know, there was one more point I want to make about Zach Wilson because I know this is going to be a thing all season. Zach Wilson and Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold and Zach Wilson. And why you should not be comparing Zach Wilson to Sam Darnold if you're a Jet fan. We'll get into that next. Yo, Jet Nation, get back to live football this season at MetLife Stadium. Lock in your 2021 season tickets to see this year's draft class and your favorite Jet players all season long. You'll also secure the best prices and exclusive benefits, including free food, beverage, and merchandise credit. And be sure to circle your calendar for the Jets' 2021 schedule release on May 12th. And for more info, visit nyjets.com or call 1-800-469-JETS. All right, so we're doing a little football here as we uh, take you up until 2.30, and uh, we'll get back to the calls here in a second. 1-800-919-ESPN is the telephone number. Uh, I've noticed this, and I know that this is going to be a thing. So I'd like to be the first. That's what it's all about, right? Being the first to point this out and uh, ask simply, let's not do this. Let's, let's not do this one. So Zach Wilson is now the Jets quarterback. And throughout the draft process, what was the story about? You know, it did not seem like Jet fans were all that on board, or at least a good portion of the fan base did not understand why you would move off of Sam Darnold. Uh, uh, Mel, uh, Mel Kuyper was, was first and foremost saying that he, if, if Sam were coming out this year, that he would still have him higher ranked than Zach Wilson. But a lot of Jet fans are saying, let's just stick with, with Sam Darnold and uh, build the team around him, either trade the second pick or you know maybe draft Penny Sewell or whatever. But the organization, Joe Douglas, finally said, you know what, my job is on the line here. I'm picking my guy at quarterback, and they decide to go to Zach Wilson. So it seems like that there has been this thing, and it will be a thing all season long, that Jet fans will compare the situation that Wilson is already in compared to the situation that Sam Darnold was in. Well, it would be nice if the Jets would have done this. For, like if, if Zach Wilson comes in and plays fairly well, and it seems like Elijah Moore's making plays and the offensive line is stabilized now with the AVT taking over at left guard and, and the team plays significantly better. The, the natural reaction is going to be, well, it would have been nice if they did this for Sam. You've already heard that, right? Like, well, if they do all the same things for Sam as they, uh, for, for Wilson as they did for Sam, the results are not going to change. It's, it's done, guys. Much like the DD conversation, it's over. DD's not coming back to the Yankees. Sam Darnold's not. There's nothing you can do. You don't have the hot tub time machine. You can't go back and change the situation. And here's another thing. Nobody was complaining about the situation Sam Darnold was in until this past year. Nobody anywhere would say, oh, you know, the situ- it's been impossible. He just can't rise above. It was just this past year that that talking point really took hold. Now, nobody liked the coach from the moment he got here, but the idea that Sam didn't have the necessary teammates, weapons, whatever you want to say, to succeed, that only really took hold this past year. So I would just say, if you want to make a comparison, and I think that this is at least fair, or at least a more direct comparison, you have to judge the people who are running the show now, you can't go back and say the people that were running the show before. So, you know, like Adam Gase is gone. So if you want to make a comparison, I think there is a comparison to be made. And it would be, is Zach Wilson doing more, at least in the early going, compared to, to Fields or to Trey Lance or to Mac Jones, not to Sam Darnold? Sam Darnold's gone. He's not coming back. And I, I hate to say, you know, I hate to beat a dead horse, but he was part of the of the issue here yes they could have made a better situation and it does seem like already from the draft that joe douglas has is determined that he is not going to make the same mistakes that that previous regimes have made in regards to the quarterback it's not just enough when the jets drafted darnold it seemed like people uh, fans certainly the, the organization 
they thought, all right, that's all we got to do. <laughs> we got our guy, and now it's going to be onward and upward. We finally drafted the franchise quarterback. Well, no, that's, that's when the work just begins. And it does seem like Joe Douglas has gotten that message far better than, uh, than Mike McCagnan did. But I don't think that you can compare uh, Zach Wilson to Sam Darnold because it's going to be a different situation, and you hope it's going to be a better situation, right? Like, yes, uh, the, the coach was terrible here. You're hoping the coach is going to be better. You're hoping that the talent's going to be better. We all get it. We all understand that Sam was not necessarily surrounded by the best stuff. But uh, I don't think that you can have revisionist history and, and look back to that. I think the, the better, fairer comparison is comparing him to the guys that he was drafted in the club. Because, look, there's maybe not because of, of some of the NFL people rating these quarterbacks and ranking these quarterbacks. But I can tell you, if, if Zach Wilson goes out and plays, you know, kind of okay – but Trey Lance goes and sets the world on fire. Yeah, that will be, well, why, why couldn't he come here and do that here? All right, well, San Francisco's in a better situation. All right, fine. Well, why, why is it always that the guy that goes after is better, right? Like, would, would Josh Allen have had the success with the Jets that he had with Buffalo? No, okay, fine. But why is it always that the Jets are getting the second guy or the third guy and he's not performing better than the guy who's picked seventh or picked later in the round? So I think that that's the comparison that you would make if, uh, if, if Wilson comes in when he finally does play games and, and he's not as good as Fields or Lance or Mac Jones. I don't think it can be about Sam Darnold because it's a completely different situation. You have people now, I hear Jet fans all the time, tell me about how they trust in Joe, they trust in this head coach, they trust in this regime, and certainly in a way that they never, never trusted the previous coach. Not even when he started coaching games. Then it really got high. But no, even when he was first brought on board, the level of trust they already have in Robert Sala is greatly higher. Way, way, way above where it was ever for Adam Gase at any point during his tenure. This is the Gordon Damer Show on 98.7 ESPN.